I mean, this episode really had everything. <laughs> right. If you were... <laughs> If we were like a Stefan skit for Saturday Night Live, it's like, it's got everything for shippers. It's got awkwardness. It's got angst. It's got like. Entrails. <laughs> Welcome back to Word of the Witnesses, our 12 Monkeys rewatch podcast. Our uh, spoiler alerts have gotten a little out of hand lately, so we will just say this time that if you have not finished season four of this, it is not the time you should be listening to this podcast. Go watch all the wonderful episodes and then come spoil with us from the end to the beginning and back. So quick housekeeping, we do have Lullaby coming up as our next podcasts. I'm sure ah! hardly anybody remembers what that one's about. Uh, <laughs> we would like to get some thoughts from you even guys. Bo- even Bonsai is freaking out about Lullaby. <laughs> he totally is because we were actually watching it before um, I phoned into this because I had five minutes left to like on my rewatch of the other episode because I'd watched like all the episodes leading up to it and it took like a really long time. And so once that ended though, I just could not turn off Lullaby because it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> so well, Bonsai's we upset tr- that we didn't finish Lullaby because <laughs> we had to like phone in. We were trying to figure out if we should do something special and it was like, should we just post videos of everyone crying or <laughs> like, start the tissue piles over? But instead we decided that maybe we should take some uh, outside input. Is that even, uh. that's an oxymoron, whatever. Um, <laughs> so everyone, what we're asking you to do is you go ahead and rewatch the episode and send in your thoughts and your feels either by Twitter, um, our email, word of the witnesses at gmail.com. You can also record and send a voicemail by calling 678-871-0098. And just do that by April 5th. And we're going to include some of that content going forward. Do you want to say who's on it? Who's on what? Lullaby? The, the pod today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> How long has it been since we've done this? It's been a while. Oh, yeah, that's right. I had surgery and I was on drugs. Oh, okay, got oh, it. Oh, drugs. I really, I really wanted to do a pod with Beep on drugs, but... <laughs> It would not have been about this show. What are you drinking today, Beep? Opioids. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. And what are they doing beside making you feel amazing? Well, they're making me itch, bubs. (laughs) Oh, by the way, bubs is here. Hey. (laughs) Happy to be here. You were last on with us back when? Back in season one. Season one. So long ago. I think episode... Episodes two and three, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was way back. Yeah. Oh my god, Bonsai, I'm gonna kill you. Except to Max, he's so cute. Uh- um, I know. We'll remind everyone, Bonsai is your really cute. What? What is he? Sometimes cute toy poodle, <laughs> who looks like a stuffed animal that somebody wished into being, <laughs> um, like the Velveteen Rabbit. <laughs> oh, that made me sad, Bonsai. <laughs> 
Why you gotta bring up the Velveteen Rabbit to start? I don't know. We're talking 12 monkeys. It's emotional. (laughs) I know. It's so funny because, Bubs, I feel like that pod was your Red Forest villain origin story. Oh, my God. It was. (laughs) It was because I was like, yeah, Red Forest is bad. And then I was like, wait, no, but I choose the Red Forest. Is it bad if I would choose it? Like, because why would I choose? So, yeah, I had a lot to think about. And then I kept thinking about it. And, like, the more I thought about it, the more I was in the Red Forest. (laughs) The grass is tall. Oh, God. We have fought about this so many times. (laughs) I love it because you have now, you have now become, like, the Red Forest truther. And you you torment everyone. (laughs) Here's the thing, though. I don't see it that way. I'm very at peace with the Red Forest. So I always just, like, try to explain, like, what I think it is. But, like... It, it's like a very, I don't know, it, it does feel like an attack, I feel like, when I'm just trying to explain it. <laughs> like, I just want to eat my Reese's Peanut Butter just Cups. Just let me eat Reese's Peanut Butter Cups forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I think you and Amy have agreed to do a SmackDown, right? Oh, yeah. Well, we, we got, you know, a year from now when we get to season four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> not even a joke that's probably actually yes, true that's not right <laughs> all right so um in the hopes of being more efficient haha today we're talking about episode 207 meltdown it was written by richard robbins who i love also wrote the night room which was the episode mm. that we first heard about jones's test subjects before cole mm-hmm. and saw the photographs um it was directed by grant harvey um, if we could just for a few minutes have, um, oh my God, I hear Bonsai panting. <laughs> I'm trying to move him farther from the mic, but he's being tempestuous. <laughs> oh my God. I, I love it though. Cause it kind of adds, like this is, this is a horror episode. So it kind of adds <laughs> edge of your seat. Yeah. Like there's heavy Very breathing. Atmospherics. <laughs> it creates quite an ambiance, does it? Yeah. Uh, all right. So. The title of the episode. By the way, that's Cece talking. <laughs> what? We didn't introduce ourselves, just bubs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Beep. <laughs> and that would be me. Okay, good. All right. Go on. <laughs> All right. Um, so the episode title, um, Meltdown, I like to look things up in the dictionary, um, has two meanings. One more, like both obvious, but when I looked it up, I was kind of like, wow, both of those absolutely fit this episode. The first is an accident in a nuclear reactor um, in which the fuel core overheats and melts the reactor core or shielding, which is what's going on in this episode. Um, in the very literal sense. Yes. Like, <laughs> actually, yes. <laughs> what are we going to call this episode? Well, well, the machine is melting down. Meltdown! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it works for me. (laughs) The other meaning of meltdown, which we use, like, I think more regularly, is a disastrous event. And this is, like, putting aside them almost losing the machine and everything that was going on in terms of, like, the core. By the end of this episode, Eklund dies. Sam is gone. Cole is shot. 
Cassie has been basically like, oh, God, we're all body women. snatched. Yeah, <laughs> My, we're all wi- we're all women on here, like mind raped. I mean, there's oh, a lot, yeah. right? Like, it's like everyone is an emotional wreck at the end of this episode, and what happens with Sam is like the turning point that the like disastrous event that then sets everyone else off on their trajectories for the rest of the season because mm-hmm. they're going to disagree about what to do from now on and a lot of it comes back to either Cassie's guilt about Sam or Ramsey's grief about Sam fueling their like path of vengeance to go kill the witness as opposed to Cole's like perspective on what they should be doing um and, you know, it is a bottle episode. The whole thing takes place just on that set um, in the facility. I love bottle episodes. Uh, same. <laughs> they seem to have, like, more focus than a lot yeah. of other episodes sometimes, um, which is nice. It's, yeah. Especially in a show that's so complicated, you know? Yeah, like I think about other shows too. I always love the bottle episodes because, you know, that's not to say that, of course, it's like amazing when you're like, you know, running down a bridge in Budapest or, right, like shooting on location, all of that stuff is like totally cool. But if you really love characters and characters talking, Mm -hmm. bottle episodes are amazing for that because everybody's on one set. You're usually down to like the main cast. And it's just a lot of people talking to one another, and that's like my favorite kind of episode. Yep, I can. Yeah, and there's agree. only there's usually only one thing going on, like as far as the plot. So right. it's not it's not like we're having to run around every which way. Like everyone's just got their thing that's centered around the main thing. Yeah, right? but I think that it was it, they did such a great job with this episode because it does feel like. There is a lot going on. Like, oh, everyone sure. has, like, this job that they're doing. Um, it Nothing feels, like, manufactured. It's very it's very natural. And, like, so um, while there is, like, focus, it's yeah. not, well, like, It's all flat. cohesive. They're all exactly. working towards yeah. the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. This might be the last time that happens for a minute. <laughs> I know. I know, right? I, yeah. Um. It also, I love that they take a set and a place that is so familiar to us now, right? Like, it's home mm-hmm. base. And they turn it into this, like, super fucking creepy horror, like, dark hallways. There's, like, dogs running down it and attacking people. There's, like, basically, like, monster people with their entrails hanging out, like, in the hallway, right? Like, Yum. Make- right? Like, they take... <laughs> I know. We brought Bubs on because Bubs loves horror. I love horror so much. <laughs> and Beep and I, I think, are lightweights on horror. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm more of a psychological thriller kind of gal. I yeah, like it I, all. I, I like supernatural horror. Mm-hmm. I don't like I've got a chainsaw and I'm going to hack off some limbs horror. Yeah, it's just – Yeah. <laughs> right, like I, like I want the- a ghost to scare the pants off of me. Yes, like the ring. Or, oh my god! Right, like I scream so loud it's still like a family I c- joke. I can't look in mirrors because, like, it it looks back at me. <laughs> oh so what I love about what I love about this episode is you've got this like horror element and and. And basically, like, Jones being haunted by the physical, like, the people she actually, like, 
We have known since season one what happened to Jones's test subjects, and to a certain extent, that it that what happened to them and their bodies has haunted her in the, in the sense of kind of like the cost to her soul and fueling her forward, right? That like she's all in, right? Like mm-hmm. given everything she's done, that she has to continue going forward. Now we have their bodies physically there. Mm-hmm. We also have people. From the past in that from that building also there. So it's like all these different physical bodies coming back from the past. So it's like it's it's a horror and it's like a ghost story, mm-hmm. except that they're actually there. Um and there's a it was like the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> yeah, but it's mortifying in the sense that like somehow, some way, somewhere in time, those people are still alive and being like tortured. Yeah. Right. Like, we don't know if they were splintered, like, they're splintered away and they could have been suffering only for, like, you know, a couple of hours wherever they got sent to and now they are they got splintered back. Like, we don't know how long they were, but yeah, they're, like, clearly suffering and it's awful. Uh, but there's a scientific explanation for this, like, ghost story. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. the, the machine is misfiring. There are so many elements that make it, like, um, what's the word? disorienting mm. because there's like a lot of levels of like the the grotesque guys like these people coming from the past like there's this very much lack of control um that is scary that's not somewhere jones thrives no <laughs> oh i mean everything's can- precise as well as precise as it can be like can you it's it's being like faced she has to face like it's crazy. Like, people that basically her experiments, like, physically tortured, and now they're being shoved in her face in front of everyone. And, like, it also, like, if you think about um, the history of science, there's been, like, um, instances of, like, torturous exploitation and, um, like, experiments. we've- Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of like, bon- Bonsai, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Um, so there have been these, Jesus Christ, these like, so yeah, it's like, how can she not compare herself to all of these scientists in the past with like, it's like, you know, you see these people as evil, like, how could they possibly have done all that? And then it's like, oh, right. I'm that person. Like how horrifying. Um, when it's like, you're so focused on your, on your intentions that, um, I, you do lose sight of like, the collateral, I, I'm sure, um, when you have, like, billions of people's um, fate lying in your hands. Um, right. It's easy to kind of look past what you're doing, um, but how can you when you see it, like, right in front of you? Right, but you have, like, a mashup of this, like, bodily horror with also a, like, possession horror story with Cassie, which also has a scientific explanation, right? Like, we will get an explanation at the end that it was a consciousness that was tethered that was able to come through the machine. So everything is grounded in a scientific explanation within the world of the show, even though all of it is taking on this, like, supernatural horror um, like um, it's like a mashup of a bunch of different horror genres. Um, mm-hmm. but what I like is we had earlier in this season this this all throughout the season characters struggling with how do you reconcile the, with the past what mm-hmm. you 
what you've done, um, how that's changed people around you, how that's impacted other people. And this whole episode is basically like a horror story that like physically manifests that. And at the end, what I think is interesting is in the past, you've had characters like this scene from a couple episodes ago where everybody was fighting in the situation room, right? Like Cassie mm-hmm. and Jones and Ramsey, they were all pointing fingers at one another and Cole finally said enough. At the end of this episode, the journey that Jones and Cassie go on, they now turn blame inward mm-hmm. and they're blaming themselves, mm-hmm. which is obviously going to launch us into what they're going to decide to do together um, in the next episode. Um, the other thing that I thought, like, despite all of the different kinds of horror, um, ultimately, the episode is about l- what love and human connection enables us to do. Mm-hmm. So, like, and it's happening, like, whether it's Eklund and Cole on opposite sides of the facility basically sacrificing themselves um, in order to save everybody, but also they're interacting with two women that obviously they have a lot of feelings for, or Cassie fighting her way out of the house. You know, what actually mm-hmm. gets Cassie out of the witnesses basically, like, a mental prison is that she, ha- like loves Cole and doesn't want something to happen to him. So I think it's like a really interesting, like amidst all of the horror and people confronting their past mistakes, like what actually like saves the day are these like acts of love. It's the power of love. Yeah. Yeah. So Which cannot be erased. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're giving us Eklund feels already. Okay, so two quick things that I'm super curious that I want us to keep in mind as we're going through this discussion that I think are two, like, as we watch, as we talk about this episode and as you guys were watching it with kind of your rewatch lens, now that we know that time is like a sentient force mm-hmm. and that we know Olivia is the witness. Mm-hmm. And her whole story. So, like, uh, let me break down those two things that I mean. Um, First, in the next episode in Lullaby, we're going to get our first sort of, like, time time needs Jones the way she is. Like, time likes Jones the way she is. And we're going to have that whole dilemma about was it a glitch in the machine that caused the Groundhog Day? Or was it time needed certain things to happen for Jones to get hope back, but not to change things so she didn't invent time travel in the first place. Mm -hmm. It's, of course, a lot more complicated now that we also know that time needed Hannah to live to give birth to Cole Uh to to erase Cole. (laughs) Right? Right? But but that, that episode presented this question of do you believe in the time as almost a, a, a metaphysical, like, spiritual force? Or do you believe that it was just a glitch in the machine? I – And this – yeah. yeah. So, but, so, but for this episode, do you guys believe it was random that the machine was – you know, obviously we know the lens thing got put in backwards. It was sabotage. It's misfiring. Why were her former test subjects being fired back? Mm-hmm. Is that was it purely a glitch, or did time need Jones to confront her past to mm-hmm. set her on the path to get to what where what happens in Lullaby? That was sort of like what I was thinking about as I was watching. Yeah. Well, I guess what I, the way that I think of, I mean, I think it depends 
how you view the metaphysical aspect. I think for me, um, I kind of think of it like time has its own rules, um, like Newtonian principles. So, for example, if you take like Bernoulli's principle, um, which explains flight, you know, so you have like air flowing together over an airplane wing. And the reason why it provides lift is because the top of the airplane plane wing is rounded so it has the air has farther to go over the wing than under um and so it has to move faster so when it moves faster it creates this lift and that's how a plane flies um so in terms of time in order for time to stay together if it has to move quickly um for example to stay together it's going to cause these pulls (laughs) Um, to make that happen. And so I feel like with these things happen, it's like, it's time like preserving itself in a way. Um, and that causes like a day to repeat itself or that causes like, um, people lost in time to come back. I think it's all just like a very complex set of rules that apply to time. And, and we see these like moments of it. Um, and yeah, how it's reacting to every- what everyone's doing, basically. It's how I see it. <laughs> In other words, those two options aren't mutually exclusive? Um, kind, Yeah, because like who makes the rules, you know? So what, who makes the rules of the universe? Is there something beyond that does that? Or I guess like that's the part to me that's metaphysical. Um, yeah. I think it does serve to, you know, obviously affect Jones. But if you think about it, just looking at it um, logistically, everything and everyone that came back was tied directly to that facility. So Mm -hmm. it's not, you know what I mean? It's not like it didn't make sense. It's not like something that came back through was just like, oh, let's, let's hit Jones in the gut. Like they were tied to that machine at some point. And yes, that does absolutely serve to punch Jones in the gut, but... I, I don't know where you can. Uh, it could be either or both, or right. Like whether it's whether it's pulling p- it, whether it's pulling test subjects from the post apocalypse or pulling the army guys from 1959. Those were all people that were in the mm-hmm. right that were in the facility. Right. It's not like it was pulling you know baby Hannah, right, <laughs> or like her dad or something. Like right, right. Yeah. I get that. So like I totally get what you're saying in terms of. Yeah, like there's it's everything that happens in this episode, whether it is like a a possession or a physical ghost coming back, there's a rules based scientific explanation for it. I guess I just now thinking about sort of the the role that time plays or is one interpretation, right? Like if we're Mm -hmm. in the red, if we're it, it depends what you think the ending of the show is, right? But if you accept that. At the end of the show, time kind of like wins, gets, wins and gives <laughs> right and 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 renders judgment, um and and that's why it lets Cole pop out where he does right and like exist and not everything doesn't go haywire again even though Jones is kind of messing with things a little bit like so I guess I just was left wondering was there something bigger at play here. In, in pushing Jones on her path to lullaby or or is it just like these were all just random because there have been a lot of people that have moved in and out through that facility over decades mm-hmm. right it didn't pull Elliot Jones back <laughs> from like right, right 2016 <laughs> it pulled back 
people that are forcing Jones to confront what she's done. And that is a big, like she goes on a huge journey of guilt. She like opens up this episode facing them and then is going to have both Eklund's death and Sam's disappearance. Like she's going to feel- assumed death. I mean. Right. So anyway, that was just one thing I was thinking of big picture. It might totally be pushing this idea too far. I just, I don't know. I, I no, I don't of- think it's pushing it too far. I just don't think we can answer it. Yeah. 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 I think it's it's a matter of perspective right now. But it's like, it's definitely interesting to think about. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So here's the other thing that I was thinking about. Watching this episode now that we know that the witness is Olivia. And I I guess we're to assume this is this is the Olivia that we saw using Titan to travel through time in season four. Mm -hmm. Do you you guys think that's right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, she's using the tether to find the actual, like, pinpointed location of where the facility is, right? But, like, this is the Olivia that we watched using Titan, like, through her body and everything that it did to her. Yeah, the one who's hooking directly into the time stream. Right. That's this Olivia. hmm So, now, when you look at this episode, it is a – I when Amy was on, she called it epic three-dimensional chess – I don't even know if it's like like three dimensional chess or like m- more than that because <laughs> think about what's going on in this episode. But the first time you watch this episode, you think that it is about the witness trying to take out the time machine, right? Mm-hmm. And that they thwart it at the last minute. Um, by the end of the episode, I mean by the end of this season, you think, nope, that wasn't that. This was all a ruse to lure them to Titan. Mm-hmm. In order to trap Cassie there so that she gives birth to Ethan and the army of the 12 monkeys has control of the witness. Then we get to the end of season three. Nope. Olivia's the witness. And Olivia uses her relationship with Sam in order to foster that alliance, that unlikely alliance with Ramsay in season three, which gets her back inside the facility she uses the machine to splinter into Titan, and then she executes her coup to become the witness. Yep. So, so it's like it's like a like a a Russian doll of plans, <laughs> right? <laughs> Am I thinking about that? Like, is that how you guys interpret it? Right? Because you have to like rethink everything now. That it's now it's not Ethan, it's Olivia. Now we know at the end what Olivia's endgame was. It wasn't to trap, you know, it wasn't to get the witness to the it wasn't to get Ethan to his birthplace and give him to the army of the twelve monkeys. It was so she could take over the place, right? Mm-hmm. So is that how you guys this is what I, I was trying to put together as I was watching it. Well, I thought it was when I saw it, it was more that I thought um Olivia was so tied to her beliefs that when things um, seem like they weren't going to pan out anymore with Ethan, for example, she she pushed herself into that position to um, hold her views together, basically. So she self-fulfilled the prophecy, I don't think knowingly. I think it's like she just like had that realization that to keep that alive, like, she would be, need to be the one because she's the only one who could trust that she would continue it in the way that she believed it. No, right. Totally. But I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of the season four Olivia who is taking over Cassie's body. Uh, okay. Um, Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. Yeah. 
so totally, absolutely, like, yeah, season three, Olivia, but season four, Olivia, who knows everything that's going to happen. She yes. knows that she's going to be the one at the end. She she is the one with the with the hand that we don't see the face that is with Sam yeah. at the end well, of this episode, right? Yes, but, like, she always has the advantage in that she's just trying to get time to happen the way that it's already happened, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, everyone else is steps behind due to the nature of like where they are in the story. Um, so for her, she just has to like, oh, well, that happened. And then I saw this person. So, well, I just have to make sure that that happens. Um, so it's kind of like her insurance policy is just making sure that all those things line up. So I think it, it makes it easier for her to do all of these things. So as much as it is 3D chess, she's playing chess from like, 20 feet up so she has like the big picture versus everyone else is just like seeing what the chess pieces around them and trying to do their best right i guess i was just really struck by the sam of it all and sam mm-hmm. disappears she is setting all of these events into motion knowing that it will be the earlier version of herself that is there wherever time spits sam out That relationship, that raising Ramsey's son and reuniting Ramsey with his son is key Mm -hmm. to getting Ramsey to trust her again and getting her back inside the facility. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, so anyway, that's all the stuff that I was like, the big picture stuff that I was like, this episode is really kind of crazy when you step back and you're watching it knowing that time is as much of sort of a sentient force as it is and knowing that it's Olivia and right like and you just kind of yeah. have to like reshuffle all of it and try and figure out and I'd be super curious like you know of course like people listening like if you have thoughts like how does this all fit together I'd love to hear them um because I'm obviously like just like try to <laughs> put it all together um yeah the other reason why we had bubs on for this episode is because it is a fucking delightful ship fest it's oh my god so- you know what like on my on my rewatch there's so many like, like every time they do something i was like ah! <laughs> because it's like it's so much more apparent the second time around and like you feel it so much more um and so yeah season two is delightful <laughs> Oh, my God. This is just like, you know, an an excellent step. Like, it's an excellent stop along what I call, like, the season two casserole angst train. Oh, my God. But that's my favorite shit. It's like that subtle, like, angsty, like, sweet, but then, like, what's going to happen next? Like, you know, it's, it's like the best part. It's the build. Right? It's like the awkward, the jealousy, and then it ends with, you know, that one, you can't let the person die trope. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's what Miley Cyrus said. It's all about the climb. (laughs) (laughs) We've never quoted Miley Cyrus. Was that her? Is that her song? It's on my morning playlist. Oh, my God. Of course it is. (laughs) Oh, man. Bubs, this is when the 10-year gap between the two of us. <laughs> what? Your children don't listen to Miley Cyrus? <laughs> no, because no, sad. She's, sad. she's too young for me. She's too old for them. Mine <laughs> I mean, technically, I'm too old for her, too. <laughs> um, but it's one of my favorite Miley songs. 
Let's connect it back. She also played a character named Hannah. <laughs> so this oh is my god! <laughs> so many layers, beef. So many layers. Okay, so let's. That was kind of like our big picture talk. So let's jump in. We get a look at Raritan in 1959 um, when it was an army facility, which I, of course, looked it up and. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> um, obviously, this is a fictional. Um, this is a fictional lab, but like, actually, it was like you had the Naval Research Laboratory that was like founded by Congress, but the Army it was much more um, kind of like ad hoc um, mm-hmm. in terms of private research um, and just kind of like random like centers all over but it goes all the way back to like um thomas edison saying Hmm. we we gotta get on some research guys (laughs) (laughs) so um you hey turn the lights on tommy and then we'll do that all right steal some other patents Okay, so we ha- we see the dog who's gonna who's gonna splinter and attack Ramsey later in the episode, and I'm laughing because I listened, I listened to the um the Talking Monkeys, the official sci-fi podcast, and apparently, um, Kirk Acevedo actually was scared shitless of this dog. In this episode, when he's yelling like "damn dog," that's that's that wasn't in the script. (laughs) (laughs) These are like highly trained dogs. What was he afraid of? (laughs) I don't know. I think that would be really nerve wracking, even if you know it's play. Mm, You don't think that's a big ass dog? I guess I would have a hard time pretending to be afraid. Yeah, for real. I'd be like, oh, you did a good job. Come on, BB. <laughs> I, I know there's peanut butter on my arm. Isn't it delicious? Uh, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we're actually, you know, this is 1959. We're, we're going to get to see this facility kind of in full swing in 1953 in season three. Mm-hmm. Do you guys remember when – um? Jennifer and Deacon and Cole go back and they go to the Christmas party um, Mm -hmm. and and Jennifer has to flirt her way (laughs) into the lab Um, and they were working on I think what they said were EMPs like early prototypes of of EMPs so Mm -hmm. that's we'll get more background later on as to like what this facility was originally doing before Elliot Jones got in there with his time machine Um, Mm -hmm. I noticed sort of two things. The, in the first opener, both in this scene and the scene we'll get to in a minute, there's people playing card games. Mm-hmm. And we will eventually see those cards that they're playing um, with kind of like the 1940s pinup girl on them on, on the floor as kind of like the who's in the building shot <laughs> later in the episode. Um, the best- I just thought they didn't clean very well. <laughs> Oh, man, they've been there since the 50s. (laughs) Um, I was trying to figure out, you know, because this show buries all sorts of references in with games, right? Like with the game Go. um, Are they playing? Were you able to figure out what they were playing? Are they playing spades? I don't think so. I just assumed they were playing poker. Okay. I don't know how to play either. So I was hoping or blackjack. Guys- Didn't he have a pair of cards, or was it three? No, he's yeah. I can't. I can't remember exactly how to play spades, but I know that 
one of them showed three jacks and one showed three queens. And, like, to me, that would immediately say, like, okay, three queens wins. Like, that's poker. Okay. Mm. And then the – I don't know. I know how to play, like, Jim Remy. <laughs> Spades has to do with, like, trump cards. Like, the actual spade cards are are – Better. I think that it it usually goes in runs, not in like multiples of cards that have different uh, suits. Got it. And then the card game that Eklund and Jones are playing, where he says it's a German game where you can mm-hmm. change the rules. I like tried Googling German card game, you can change the rules. And it came back. <laughs> oh my God. She literally typed that. I guarantee you. I did. I did. I- Absolutely. Um, it came back with a German version of scat. So I don't know if folks have any insight, if there's like, if there's a little Easter egg buried in here about either of the card games they were playing, like, let us know. Jones um, probably made it up like completely. <laughs> she's like, I'm losing. So yeah, this is she's the like, rule. it's German. And he's like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so the song playing in the background sounds like it's from the 1950s. It is was actually recorded for the show by Kelsey Carter for this episode. Um, so she wrote, it's called Moving Train. And I love it because the words, like, I think the theme, well, I'll, let me, I'll do the lyrics. I'll go with you to the moon and back, but darling, that's a long way to fly. Um, until I know you can truly leave the earth, I can be your lover. I'll f- I'll fly an airplane, jump on a moving train, steal my daddy's car just to get you. I'll find a time machine, jump to the 70s, um, crash my daddy's car just to get to you. Um, Sounds like Jennifer. Yeah. It does. <laughs> a lot of daddies in there. and daddy's stuff. Like <laughs> a lot of daddy issues. A lot of daddy stuff. But I love that it says, I'll find a time machine. I'll jump to the 70s. We were in the 70s the last episode. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the song is about sort of like the crazy things you do for love. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, Eklund – he went out, right? It's how he says, like, going out, right, for, like, the woman I love, right? So it is – I like how the sort of the lyrics, not only it's, like, a really fun reference to, like, the time machine and it's kind of – you know, it's a song that sounds like it's from the 50s, but it's actually from our era. So there's a lot of fun things about it, like, to unpack. Mm-hmm. But I just thought thematically it was love motivates people to do crazy things. And yes. pe- People do a lot of crazy things in this episode for love, like shoot me or I'm going to melt myself. (laughs) Right? Like, so. um, What a weird Friday night. (laughs) (laughs) So did you guys have any thoughts about sort of this kind of jumping to 2016, Cassie's alone at the Emerson Hotel? It's a very different Cassie. Like, she's clearly shaken up and like stealing herself to go back. Mm hmm. Do you think she's already fighting? Like, is this already the witness in charge? I think yes. Because she's getting, like, peaks of it. Like, it's, like, um, closing in on her almost. Yeah. Well, we already saw her eyes turn at the end of the last episode. Mm-hmm. So but is we- Cassie stealing herself t- because she is, like, afraid to go back? Or is she stealing herself because she's trying to not go back? That's interesting, because we see mm. the witness in the room. But it's right. already in her. I mean, she sees it constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Is it because it's talk about that she's uh, yeah? It, it like how does it actually work? Because we see, I, I guess the first time I watched it, I thought this is a Cassie that has been through 
this kind of traumatic experience. She's in her own era, and now she has to kind of psych herself up to go back into oh, absolutely, like a yeah. war zone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that raises an interesting point. Like, is she already struggling? Like, she feels. I mean, she's had like these visions. The crazy thing to me when we watch this is, it really hit me. When she later on has that conversation with Cole, nobody knows that she has been struggling with these visions even before what happens in this episode. Right. Since season one, she's never told anyone, mm-hmm. right, that she's seeing all this crazy shit. Um, and now it's obviously like a lot worse because the witness is taking over her body. But mm-hmm. yeah. Um, she has seen what they do to people on this show when they start talking about crazy shit. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's great. This is the second time in the last episode they did the same thing where they put her in front of the window. um, And it's foreshadowing for the shot we're going to get later in the episode when she's inside the house of cedar and pine and looks out of the window and sees titan Mm -hmm. um but it's interesting there's a lot of door and window symbolism as like metaphors for kind of coming in and out of like your consciousness Mm -hmm. windows being open doors being shut being opened again um there's just they use a lot of that imagery and they started off here with kind of framing her in front of the window Mm -hmm. um if we I, I didn't have anything else about that. Should we just jump to 2044? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So we have two supposed like one for sure death, one we think death. We don't know what happens with Eklan and Sam. I love watching now the beginning of this episode because it is such a classic example of an episode of TV being like we're going to make it really fucking hurt when these two characters die at the end of this episode, right? The queue up. (laughs) Right? So scene number one of we're going to make it really fucking hurt is Sam and (laughs) Ramsey at Sam's model that he's made at the facility. And the thing about Sam in this episode is like, you're like, this kid is awesome, right? Yeah, yeah. This is the first like- time we've, like, really, really, you know, like, I feel like this is the first time he's been a character in and of himself. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. You see his little person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you're like, that is an awesome kid. He's, like, smart. He's funny. He's creative. He's, like, making this play world for himself when he's living in a fucking bunker and can't go outside. <laughs> he technically um, saves everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting because it... So you have sort of like what this scene does emotionally is it we're super like beep what you just said, like maybe really for the first time in the show as an audience member, I felt like emotionally connected to Sam. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. the most invested I've ever been in his relationship with Ramsey. So, of course, because like. Of course, they're going to fucking kill him off at the end of the episode, right? Or like we're going to think that he is. But it also serves two important, two other functions. The first is it explains like when he's explaining to his dad the model, it's it's the writers explaining to the audience like here's the setup and that you need to know. You've got the splinter machine on one side, you've got the core on the other side, you've got the river below, right? They're like outlining everything that we need to know to understand like what the heck else is going on like for the rest of the episode. Um but it also serves a really important plot function because 
because of the model and studying the blueprints that Eklund gave him, Sam is going to be able to pass along key information to Colin Ramsey later in the episode. Mm -hmm. So all of that is being accomplished in this like one scene. Like, and the line that just hits you like a ton of bricks is when Sam's doing, like, he's using his little, there's the astronaut and then the little army guy, which is so interesting because the army guy, like, those toys got really popular, like, in the the 50s. Like, my dad used to play with them. So you've got the little army guy, and then we're going to have the army guys actually from the 50s in the facility. (laughs) like walking around but the line when he puts him in the time machine and Ramsey says where did he go and he says nobody knows and you're like oh (laughs) fuck (laughs) like oh it was right there right like when you watch it and rewatch you're just like oh um but like now every time I see those toys I think of Jennifer bringing them to Ramsey in season three after Sam has died Yeah, they're like, it's just such a, like, my kids play with those toys even now. Like, my kiddos have that little astronaut man. My son totally plays with army guys. It's just this, like, universal, like, ugh. <laughs> like, yeah. kids stuff. Okay. He's so cute. <laughs> He's so cute. Like, I want to play with Sam's model. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm just going to say Jones and Eklund banged. Go. <laughs> <laughs> This I mean, you can get it. Jones, we've like we've never seen before. Oh my god, <laughs> she's in a fucking like red silk robe, post coital, listening to records, smoking cigarettes. Yeah, <laughs> but she's like, it's not even. I mean, yes, what she's wearing and what just happened, obviously, are things we haven't seen. But just also like everything about her demeanor and her mm-hmm. personality, and she's joking, and she's like, she's not a scientist right now. She's not like she's not the mission. She's not her profession. She's not her goal. She's just a person, and yeah. she's a cool fucking person, which sucks because she's basically like not for the rest of the show. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like a, it's. Don't like, get me wrong. I love her. Don't yeah. hear that. <laughs> no, no, no. Like c- because she can't be right. Like right, this is right, a moment. Yeah. This is like a time. It's a like this fleeting moment where she gets to just be Katarina Jones yep. and not. Yeah. Not Dr. Jones, not in charge of this whole thing. Yeah, she's cat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. And it reminds me of, like, I love the subtlety, those subtle differences in the performance because Jones in 2015 in season one was kind of sassy and flirty in this way, too. You mm-hmm. know? So it's like, yeah, it's like she's letting her guard down and she's flirty and, like, you know, I mean, it's just. I mean, and God bless Eklund, the dude's in his 60s. He clearly was, like, ready for round two. It's like, dude, well done, sir. <laughs> so, I know. But, King. I mean, there's... <laughs> so, they're, like, obviously they're adorable. Like, I love that Joan's hanging out and playing, like, records is still classical music. Um, <laughs> whereas Eklund was, like, rocking out to, like, 70s rock. But... There's some interesting, um, like, it's a really interesting character moment for Jones. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence where he's asking, Eklund is asking, would you ever have married again? Which is also kind of a hint at how deep his feelings go, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it's also, he's he, they are reminding the audience of Elliot Jones. 
And we won't know it until a few episodes from now. But that image of Titan that we see, that's the first reminder, right, of Elliot Jones that happens in the episode. And it's all teeing up what we're going to see at the end when Cassie's in the House of Cedar and Pine. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also is like the, the other idea of we talk about – like we talked about all the different kinds of ghosts in this episode. And – this is a different kind of ghost. This is like the ghosts of your like past relationships. When Joan says like, I'd rather not, like I like to correct my past mistakes, not relive them. Mm-hmm. Like she's clearly still <laughs> the, the like, whatever happened with Elliot Jones, like still clearly like runs deep. Right. Yeah. Um, that line also is a fucking doozy when you think about what she's going to decide needs to happen at the end of this episode. Hmm. <sighs> Yep. Which is to take herself out. Yeah. Um, and then it's a doozy when you think about the entire show. <laughs> and like what Jones has done, right? Um, <laughs> do you guys have anything else about Eklund and Jones banging? Oh my God. I really like them. <laughs> I know. They, this, is the, uh, this is the second scene of we're going to make it hurt. Like, yeah. I mean, they fun. had chemistry. Like I was like – yeah. Yeah, they totally did. Yeah. Right? And it's so sad. It's like, this man was so pa- – this is the woman, like, he was in a relationship with, and then all of a sudden yeah. she didn't know him, and he finally got back to being with her in that way, not only just having sex, but just, like, the intimacy mm-hmm. of the two of them together. He's going to die in a few hours. Yeah. Ugh. And it's like for her, this is like she didn't even get to remember the beginning. And so all she had was like that little moment that she got to like actually live again instead of living in the past to save the past. Yep. It's just yeah. extra tragic. Um, okay. If you guys have anything else, should we move to the, the pregame? <laughs> the pregame <laughs> situation room. Um, it is there's there's like a lot of good like important information that's passed along and there's also like some really fantastic um we can kind of break it down. I thought sort of the important takeaways were Jones with Jones and Ramsey are talking they're trying to figure out how Cassie could have um like whether it was a hallucination, is this something that the red tea could have done? Mm-hmm. Um, the speculation about the red tea allowing consciousness to move through time is a really mm-hmm. important like foreshadowing for what this season finale is going to be with Cole using the red tea, right? Mm-hmm. To move through time. Um, it's also crazy to see Cassie so rattled. Mm-hmm. Um, she's so usually in command of herself. And she's I mean, t- even when she sees someone travel from the future in front of her eyes, <laughs> right? She's like, she rolls with it. She's like, uh, okay, this <laughs> is real. So now it's like, it's something that, is beyond that somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I freaking love the like total cold jealousy in this scene. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it, oh, God. It was so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's so like his, his what the fuck face when Deacon is being totally like protective and taking Cassie out of the room and he's just like is this really ha- like is this for real right like <laughs> it's so funny because this show you know when I went when you go it's like yeah Bubs, it's like what you were saying when you go through sort of the first time you're like you know they really like 
kind of wove the romance into the larger plot and it never mm-hmm. felt like it was kind of like just about that, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. But this 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 episode checks so many boxes of like Oh, uh, so maybe Cassie, we, cause we now know Cassie and Deacon weren't really a thing, but it sure seems like it when you're watching this episode. And then watching Cole's reaction to it is just fucking <laughs> priceless. I mean, when has he seen Deacon act this way? So it just. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's that's just like weird so thing. weird and like so if he's acting that way it, m- it makes it feel like it must be this whole thing because it's like Deacon like Deacon doesn't give shit about anybody like <laughs> so it's just like it makes it feel like it's a special thing that they have so like for Cole who Cassie is the only special thing um that was like just for him like yes he, him and Ramsey have this like great brotherhood um but that's like familial um, and so Cassie became this thing, like the hamburgers from the past, that he's just like, he never thought that he'd have, <laughs> even if it's like not romantic right now. <laughs> the two things Cole loves the most, cheeseburgers and Cassie. <laughs> but I'm not wrong. <laughs> no, I, you're not wrong. <laughs> Um, so it's like, it's just, it's a really, I I can, like, it's so funny, whenever there's, like, a character that, like, I'm rooting for, and they feel jealousy, I feel it too. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, even though I like I love Deacon, I'm like, oh fuck you, like back <laughs> off. <laughs> so I mean, it's kind of fun to have that like visceral reaction sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah, it definitely is, and it's also giving the audience important information, right? Mm-hmm. Like Cole is jealous. He is jealous because he has feelings for Cassie. You know? Yeah, and like that whole like. Oh, well, I mean, it's, I, there's, I'm, I'm cool that you guys are like close or whatever. Just wanted you to know. And she's like, uh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. We'll, we'll get to that because I love that scene. Yes. Um, I can't wait. The, the one other kind of important, I, we mentioned before how they bring up, Without naming him, Elliot Jones, when mm-hmm. jo- when Katarina and Eklund are talking about her being married before, the other kind of setup to the big Titan reveal, even though we're not going to really understand what it is at the end of the episode, is when Ramsey's talking back about his time with the Army of the Twelve Monkeys, he's like, you know, the witness – the witness doesn't have another time machine. He needed Elliot Jones to build this time machine. So it's another reminder of Elliot Jones. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to see his like greatest creation. <laughs> yes. At the end of this episode. Um, uh, Beep, did you have anything else about that scene? You, you, Beep was probably like, hell yeah, Deacon, get after it with Cassie. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but I did kind of wonder if, if Cole was like, Shit, why didn't I think of that? (laughs) (laughs) It's totally like, I love it because I feel like you can sometimes reduce all of these interactions to basically like high school. And it's it's totally like somebody, the other guy sat down next to Cole's girl in the cafeteria and Cole's sitting there being like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think something else that kind of stung for him is that Cassie has never let him treat her as anything less than, like, even stronger than he is. Yeah. And Cassie allowed Deacon to do that. Oh, wow. So it's, like, a different dynamic than he's been able to have with her. So there was that other, you know what I mean? It's like, wow, you guys are even. 
Yeah, she's always cared for him. Like, he's always been, like, the one that was injured or, like, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also – Because, like, even with, like – he sent her to the future when she was injured, but, like, he didn't care for her apart from doing that. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it does go to, like, the difference in those two relationships. I think it also points to just how fucked up Cassie is right now. Mm-hmm. You know? Totally. You know, she's not a character that is – she is not the type of female character that normally needs to be, like, led out of the room because she's tired. Yeah, <laughs> right? right. Ne- never. <laughs> so it's just a sign of, like, she's super met- – like, there's not good shit going down. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but you also notice – I mean, it was made evident in the fact that he was, like, never around that Deacon didn't go with her. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah. He just, like, took her to her room and that was that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's also like Deacon's interjecting and it's like creating a barrier. She seems out of it and he's the one who intercedes and not Cole and then Cole's just left sitting there, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um I there's a really fun editing moment. It, from this scene, it focuses on Cole's <clears throat> face and then it cuts to Cassie alone in her room hearing Olivia's voice. The blood is washed away. Go to him like a memory of tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So it totally could be accidental, but it's like a really clever now that we know that that whole mantra is about Cassie and Cole meeting at the House of Cedar and Pine. It's kind of great editing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, Olivia was like the ultimate wing woman, basically. <laughs> <laughs> like the biggest casserole shipper of them all yeah seriously <laughs> she's like you know the like the aunt that's like behind your shoulders oh you guys would make great babies <laughs> oh my god oh <laughs> uh, bubs and i are both latina we have those aunts <laughs> you dating <laughs> actually no my aunts don't have queen <laughs> Or long, I don't even know what accent I'm doing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> My mom has a Queen's accent. Are you comfortable? <laughs> uh, okay, okay. Back on track. All right. So let's get to the awkward casserole uh, scene, which is, oh, I love it so much. Oh, my God. So this this is how you build a slow burn romance. <laughs> Scenes like this. It's like, please, television writers, watch 12 Monkeys so that you can fucking figure out how to go do it. <laughs> because we watch a lot of other shows where they don't know how to do it. <laughs> oh, my God. So many other shows. <laughs> Not just one in particular. No, so, so many. many. So many. <laughs> um, and I think it's also like – Again, I feel like I'm I, – I don't mean to be like a broken record, but I feel like this is an example. Again, the show stops and, you know, like other shows would have just let that last scene with the jealousy play out. Mm-hmm. And then they would have sh- – and then they would have shifted to the plot, right? Mm-hmm. And you would have you would have maybe had the big moment at the end, but a lot of shows don't make the time for these small, quiet scenes mm-hmm. where – all this scene is about is acknowledging what's changed between them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it doesn't resolve anything between the two. I mean, I think it does a lot of really important character work, and I think mm-hmm. it's it's asking a question that will be answered by the end of the episode. But I just 
this is with this time jump with these character shifts and and characters evolving and conflict and and characters being at odds this season constantly makes time for people to talk about it and this scene is an example of that um it's always it makes it feel so natural because it's like it's an ongoing progression that has fluctuations um yeah yeah so you've got cole Trying so hard. He's trying so hard to play it cool, guys, and be, like, magnanimous and being like, look, so, like, you guys are together, and that's fine. Like, I'm okay with it. (laughs) I respect you as a lady, (laughs) and this is cool. Um, Even though it makes me feel dead inside. (laughs) And you know, after she was like, "Uh, cool, okay, he went back somewhere and just like replayed it over and over again in his head. Aww. It was just like, oh my god, oh my god, why? right, right, why? because he's like, why, right, why did I say that? And you're like, you're right. He totally went back to his room and was like, I shouldn't have said it. I should well, have said, he, or maybe in lullaby, he just kept thinking of it over and over. <laughs> and over. He wasn't oh, even conceding though. He was like being passive aggressive. He's like, I just want to let you know it doesn't bother me, like as if it would have the right to bother you. You know what I mean? Well, Instead like, of being like, I accept it. It's like, it doesn't bother me. But like, I don't think I'm he cool. realized it until he said it out loud. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though. Yeah. But then he's like, oh, crap. I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't yes, really think yes. this through. Yeah, no, right, you're right. Like, right. There's to- right. That's true. Totally- and that is like, I mean, dude, I've had that real world conversation, right? Like, if you, like, right. And I've had friends who've had that conversation where the person's trying, like, you're trying to extend an olive branch and being like, I just want you to know, like, whether you've said it or been on the receiving end of it, I just want you to know this doesn't bother me. And it's kind of like, if you're saying that out loud, then I'm pretty sure it actually does. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, but did you see how much it was like a gut punch to her? Well, yeah, that's like I, facially. Yes. Oh my oh, gosh. Oh yeah. So right. So then, so that's Cole's perspective, right? I think he he's saying it because it clearly does fucking bother him. <laughs> and yeah. he and he also I mean, I think he had good intentions, but you're right, it doesn't sound great, right? And he's being presumptuous. <laughs> totally presumptuous because what we now know is that we had like one whoopsie doodle and that's it (laughs) right (laughs) whoopsie doodle (laughs) so um but right you take it from cassie's perspective number one what's going on like she's dealing with like a she doesn't like her mind is crazy fucked up and she just came from this like trauma being kidnapped and force fed this tea and being faced with the face of her ex-boyfriend and then Cole and all this crazy fucking shit like that happened to her she's totally shaken by it and Cole's talking to her about whether or not she's with Deacon like what (laughs) right like she just came from like having these visions and hearing these voices again but then also yeah beep her face is kind of it's kind of it's a quieter like performance, but her I didn't think it would is mm-hmm. so devastating because Cole has I mean, I don't want to read too much into that line, but if you're Cassie, you have come off of Cole choosing Ramsey over her, Cole choosing Jennifer over her, and now like he's saying, I'm cool with it if you're with somebody else. So it's just so sad when she's like, I didn't think it would bother you. Well, especially in, yeah. I might have to take this. Have we not already established that the witness also changed into him? 
Well, right. So she's just- Has that happened yet? Yes, that happened last episode. Yeah. No, I mean, has she told him that yet? No, 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 no. That's that's in the next awesome shipping scene. This this episode- No, this episode is basically like a Tumblr- I'm so old, Beep. I mean- Give that. Well, no, no, no. But are you a blogger if you're on Tumblr? Yeah, you are, right? They're blogs. Kind of. I mean- (laughs) All right, tell me It's a weak user interface. And I won't stop saying that, but whatever. <laughs> to each their right, own. This episode is like, I have seen at least mm, 10 gift sets just from this episode, right? It's like a <laughs> shipper's dream of gift sets. It's a day to, like, trip. Stuff. <laughs> so. I mean, I like, I picked this just because I wanted to come on. I knew I wanted to come on again and talk about some episode. I didn't see what episode it was. It was just available. So I'm like tickled that it was this episode. Because yeah, I was watching man. I'm like, yeah, I can talk about this one. <laughs> yeah, man. That's why I brought you on. It's horror and it's yes. a shit fest. See, right, 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 right. Um, but Beep, what you were saying, you were saying something about Cassie's reaction. Oh, I mean, it's it's not as pertinent to him yet, but considering what what I'm jumping ahead in, you know, mental time travel, mm-hmm. that we know that well, we did already know last episode that yeah. he changed into Cole because it's like maybe maybe this is the face you'd rather see, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. that was even the witness knows that, right? The you know, and, is like and you, yet you, he or is, is the witness completely oblivious, right? Right, the witness is like, I know you like like him, and that's just been shoved in her face, and now she's having this conversation with Cole, and Cole's like, no, I'm cool with it if you're with Deacon. And like, no one even fucking asked you, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So then, so then the amazing gut punch, and it like hurts so much, it's delicious, is, I guess we don't really know each other anymore. (gasps) Ugh. It's so good. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. <laughs> but it's also, I love it because it's like, it's asking, it's asking a question that the end of this episode is going to answer. Yes. And it's, it's really important considering where they're, where they start this season with the two of them pointing guns at one another. They're going to end this season in love, having conceived a child like finding like true happiness with one another you have to give us these breadcrumbs along the way to make it all connect up you know yeah um so even though they're not like necessarily acknowledging it to each other right like cassie and cole aren't going to talk about the fact that it was saving him that got her out of that house right but it but yeah it's it's letting the audience know like you know, as an audience member, maybe we're kind of unsure what's going on. Like, was Cassie like Deacon? Like, what's going on here? And so it's asking a question out loud that the audience is wondering. Yeah. I mean, it burns when I whoopsie doodle, but there's a cure. <laughs> it's basically what the show is saying. <laughs> oh, my God. I loved that we saw Cassie kind of working out her issues by boxing. Because it feels like Cassie working things out physically when mm-hmm. she's like um, emotionally in an upheaval is like showing character in mm-hmm. addition to just looking super badass. Yeah, I made a cool gif. <laughs> Did you make a cool gif of her boxing? Obviously. Oh, yes. Yes. We we will like it won't be on Tumblr. 
but we can make our own gifts of this episode. Um, all right. So that takes us to the beginning of when, sh- when shit starts getting really, it, this starts turning into a horror episode. And you've got the situation room and the photographs of those test subjects that we saw back in season one come alive in front of everyone and it is spectacularly gross (laughs) oh my god his arm is out like he's got it it like reminds me of braveheart like his intestines are hanging out like Uh, he's like carrying him around like a bagpipe That's how much his intestines are out. <laughs> I mean, uh, intestinal gas can be musical. Bubs. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, no, it was deliciously gory. Like, um, there are a few times where I have been, like, delighted by gore. One example is in The Expanse, in the episode with Katoa, when he, um, as part of the um, proto-molecule humanoid takes apart a human being because it's beautiful. (laughs) And it was just, like, horrifically delightful. Just to clarify for our listeners, Bubs really enjoyed when a character on The Expanse took apart a body and was piecing entails back together on the floor. (laughs) He thought it was beautiful. Yes, and it was delightful and disgusting and... <laughs> I like replayed it several times. Um, but this was like, it was very similar in that it was like grotesque, but like it, it was not grat- somehow not gratuitous because it was about, it wasn't about shocking the audience so much as playing to the emotions of Jones. So in that sense, it fit into the story and was really gross. And I really liked it. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's my take on it, basically. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was like, it's so gross, but that's so cool. Look at it. Oh, but I mean, I love it because it's returning. It's shoving in Jones, but everyone in the room, Mm -hmm. this Doctor Frankenstein, Doctor Grimm persona, right, that she had Mm -hmm. back before we knew her, where she was experimenting Mm -hmm. on people, and now everyone on their team is face to face with. With the legacy of this program and, like, what it did to other human beings. And it culminates. You have the guy holding a gun on all of them. They are all totally frozen. And the, like, I don't know, like, the what's the right way to put it? Like, poetic, not poetic justice, but, like, the, it's just perfection that the person who takes him out is the one test subject that survived. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? And Cole is then, like, Aaron Stanford's face of looking at him is like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, that could have been. I mean, and the interesting thing is, like, he's faced with the legacy of the program and their mission and the human, like, the physical manifestation of the human cost. But he now knows that he, that Jones knew he was going to be safe, right? Mm -hmm. Because when she was doing those experiments, she had the memory of meeting Cole back in like 2015. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like it, it's it's just obviously it's a mind fuck for Cole to be like holy shit. I mean for any like Cassie's been through that machine, Cole's been through that machine, Ramsey's been through that machine, and now well Ramsey's not in the room yet, right? There he's he's over with Sam, but like they're all confronted with what happened to other people when they went through this time machine. Mm-hmm. Um. 
And I, you know, I love sort of the, I think it's really interesting. It's something I've been thinking like more about with Cassie as a doctor and that the witness is wearing a plague doctor mask and she like makes a point um, of saying the doctor mask and this whole idea about doctors knowing more about death because they have kind of a front row seat to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's just a really fun, like, if we're just keeping, since this is a great shipping episode, Cassie, Deacon being like, maybe you should stay behind. And Cassie is like, nope, I'm going to go fall. Like, not, it's not, I'm going to go follow Cole, but like, I'm not taking a back seat and I'm not sitting this one out. Um, mm-hmm. but she is walking out with Cole. So it's like a great reversal of the, the last time they were all in the situation room. Um, the other really sad thing is Eklund foreshadowing, you know, he's like, I'm going to go get, the whatever that piece of equipment that they need and he's like no i'll go because like i'm expendable everybody needs you and now you watch and you're like oh man (laughs) (laughs) did you guys have any other thoughts about super gross entrail dude or jones being confronted by the monsters um i it just made me think that like i like when they don't do cgi when they actually do like I, I don't know. Was it just like makeup and prosthetics? Mm-hmm. No, they just really did it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean they when it's like it cheesy, so quickly. only one CGI. Take. <laughs> that's, dude, that's dark, beep. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's like if it was CGI, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be that gross. It wouldn't be gross. It wouldn't be as, like, drippy looking. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, okay. Um, <laughs> okay, so that takes us to Casserole in the Hallway. Um, and again, I'm, like, struck by how crazy it is that Cassie has never told anyone about the red tea, like, on the team at those red tea visions that mm-hmm. Cole's never known about it. Isn't it crazy that he's never known? That- She's drank it twice. Um, and the first time he rescued her from it. And, and mm-hmm. like, I guess thinking back, I never thought, like, I remember him coming in and she was kind of like unfocused and was like filling, like burnt herself with the tea in season mm-hmm. one. And I guess I just never went back and thought that he never knew about it. So it's, she's been carrying this like, I mean, it, it kind of goes to two things. The question, I guess we don't really know each other anymore. There are really important things about Cassie that Cole didn't know, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is something that's been happening to her mind that she's been hallucinating things since season one. Not as bad as it is in this, like, reaches an apex in this episode, but he's never known any of it. Um, but it's also just such a burden for her. Like, in, in addition to everything else, like, am I losing my mind? Like, what is going on? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's just that, like, she thinks she just drank some kind of hallucinogenic tea and doesn't really think much of it apart from like she had really disturbing dreams what does that say about her like is it is it just like her own little thing to carry and like wonder about um because like how does she know that it's part of like this bigger thing like how are you supposed to know that like this tea what you're seeing is like actual real flashes through time right you would be like questioning your sanity yeah you know yeah um 
and like just particularly for somebody that is like as brilliant and whose mind is like, you know, I mean, it is for everybody, but like particularly for somebody who's like a really intelligent like doctor and then now you're like being confronted with things that you can't explain, right? Like, yeah. you know, a woman of science and all of a sudden she's having these visions. Like, you know, Joan struggled with that, like actually saying out loud, like, what is this tea stuff? But like, yeah, it's just – I don't know. It just really hit me watching it this time that she's been carrying yeah. this burden alone for well, like she, a real- Yeah. And, but she also dealt with people thinking she was crazy before. Yeah. So like maybe nobody like, really believed her. Right? Yeah. Which so is maybe it's sort just of, like residual. Which is sort of awful when you think about, right? Like something. I mean, not even Aaron. Or, or I don't know what is. Yeah. Oh, oh, you mean like her boyfriend in season one? Yes. Like not believing her. Yeah. But I was just thinking like, there's something like watching this episode as a woman and what happens to her that is like particularly – it's supposed to be upsetting, right? Like it's just particular – like it just kind of hits you in the gut because I think it could be an, like a – I don't know, like a um, analogy for a lot of other things that happen to women like in the real world. And so when she's sitting in a room and nobody believes her, it's just kind of mm-hmm. like, oh. You know, like this is something that's happening to her that's yeah. violating her autonomy and people don't believe her. Yeah. Oh. Um, okay. So then we get to I mean, I think it's really it's really interesting. We get to like, what is this? Awesome, awesome shipper moment number three of the episode <laughs> with Cassie being really <sighs> vulnerable and basically like I love I love the way this conversation goes down because you have like this really, obviously, like, what the fuck? There's, like, people – there's people being splintered into the facility. They don't know if the witness is there, right? It's, like, there's somebody in the building, right? It's, like, high stakes. So you have their conversation that on one level, Cole's, like, what the hell? Like, that tea's dangerous. How did you not tell me about it? But then on the other level, like, you've got the personal. So you've got Cassie telling Cole more information that, like – he needs to know, like, okay, well, what, you know what? Like, actually, he didn't just take the face of Aaron. He might have also taken your face. <laughs> and Cole's, <laughs> right? And she's, like, really vulnerable, like, saying it. And then you have Cole's face just kind of <laughs> taking that in. And it's, like, on the one hand, you've got the mission. On the other hand, you know inside he's, like, oh, my God, maybe she likes me, too. Why did they, why did the witness do that? <laughs> I mean, how do you not feel that third grade feeling when your, like, crush picks you to be his partner in a book report and you're just like, it's happening. (laughs) Oh, my God. The witness picked my face for her. (laughs) What does it mean? (laughs) She's really rooting for us. Scrolling through Tumblr, looking at casserole <laughs> gift sets. <laughs> Olivia can just plug into all of that from Titan. Um, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but it is actually really. It's also important. It gives Cole an essential piece of information that he's going to use to basically save the day at the end. Because now he knows. That, that question that he asked, I guess we don't know each other anymore. Like, he knows that she, that she tells him that. Like, not, it's not only that it, it's not only that it happened, it's that she tells it to him. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not just that it happened and that the witness knew that, but that it's Cassie being vulnerable and telling him that. Which yes, then and going I to picked up on that, and I didn't until you just said it right now. I did not realize that that's why he says to sh- I'm such an idiot. That's <laughs> so much better. Wait, why he says it at the end? Yes, why he says shoot me. <laughs> right. I like, did not put it together. <laughs> well, you know what? It's funny. Like I. Like, you know, you sometimes will also a lot of it is just because you're like wrapped up in the plot the first time you're watching. And then like, you know, this is probably the fourth time I've watched this episode. So I just was like struck with like, you know, this is really like it, it. It's an important scene to kind of like push the casserole story, the romantic story along, but it's really important for him to know. Mm-hmm. He takes that information, then he uses it as a tool to basically break Cassie out of, like, the mental prison yeah. she's in, you know, because now he knows what's going to motivate her. Yeah, and that's, like, it's it speaks to their bond because even, like, I think, like, naturally our inclination is even if we hear something like that, we still have doubts, But it's, like, when it comes to Cassie, like, he always believes her. Like, when she said that she was seeing stuff, like, he was, like, well, like, what? Like, you know, he was more – it wasn't, like, her season one boyfriend. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when she says, like, I saw your face, he's, like – he's not, like, well, it could just mean that, like, I mean, I brought her into this whole business. Like, you know, which it could have been very easily rationalized away as something Mm -hmm. else. But he believes, like, he just – I don't know. Yeah. They're just made for each other. <laughs> We've like triggered Bub's shipping feels. I love it. <laughs> um, so yeah, so like yeah, I think it's, it's it's like the way this episode is written. It's just so tight. Like all of the pieces, all of the foreshadowing, all of the you know, it's like a mm-hmm. you know, we know the information about the facility, and Sam knows because he's building the model, right? Cole knows the information from Cassie. He knows he's still important to her. That's going to give him the tool that like, he's going to put his life on the line, hanging on to that, right? That that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just so many different like the way it builds into these like ultimate confrontations and how it all fits together. It's just so elegantly done. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Are you guys ready to go on the magical comedic buddy trip of the sociopath and the pacifist? <laughs> Always. <laughs> Always. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, it it picked up at the end of that of when when Deacon tries to hand Eklund the gun and, and he's like, I'm a pacifist. And, De- and he's like, You're shitting me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. It's so great. Oh my god. And I I love that Eklund is basically bragging a little bit that he banged Jones. He's like, yeah. it has it, it has its benefits. And, and Dick is basically like, please, no details. Like, ah. Like. That's our mother you're talking about. <laughs> you're banging the boss. Like, ah. Um, but no, I mean, I, I completely get his pride because, like, in the next episode, when we see her with her hair down and her glasses off, like, Jones is hot. Like, mm-hmm. she's a gorgeous woman. And I, like, I, it took me, like, lullaby to, like, r- like r- see past the glasses. I'm that person who is, like, yes, Lainey Boggs is ugly and she's all that until she took her glasses off. <laughs> I guess that works on some people. Oh my god. Are you talking about she's all that? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, and I watched the 
the movie, I'm like, dude, all she did was take her glasses off. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, also when like Clark Kent puts his glasses on, like who dat? I kind of think Clark, I think Clark Kent's kind of hotter with the glasses. I got to be honest with you. Um, But yeah, but do you not wear glasses, bubs? Is that it? No, I don't wear glasses. Oh, man. I've needed glasses since I was like in the fourth grade, man. Oh, really? It's people like you that I wear contacts most days. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I love that you have like, I was thinking about it like, so you've got these guys who just got like, I mean, we didn't talk about it, but I mean, what a, like, they were just playing cards in 1959, man. <laughs> now, like, what the fuck happened to them? Um, but I love that they, like, they think they're in charge of security in the facility. Mm-hmm. And they're facing off against Deacon, who is in charge of security for the facility. But they're just <laughs> in charge of security in different eras. And now they're, like, facing <laughs> off and shooting each other. Um, but, like, the... I just, like, I'm just so glad they got a scene together. I wish we could have had more because they were, like, fucking Aww. magic together. Like, ah, uh, yes. sorry, guys. We just had a time travel snafu. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when he's saying, I actually, like, I remember from the um kind of, like, after show podcast that the line where Deacon says, where he's calculating how long it's been, 85 years, um, mm-hmm. that Michael Hogan totally ad-libbed that, like that he's whispering and doing the math for Deacon <laughs> because he's the scientist, right? And now they get um, that is amazing. There, there's some great, like, um, you know, it's actually like it, there's a, it's really funny, but there's also kind of like this philosoph, like, right? You couldn't have two characters that are more philosophically at op- opposite ends mm-hmm. of the spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. Deacon yeah. is whatever means necessary. And Eklund is a pacifist. You should never use violence, right? And Mm so you have them, even though it's a really quick back and forth, you have Eklund say, violence doesn't make a man. And Deacon saying, no, but it can unmake one, (laughs) right? Like, so the situation, you know, I think it's really interesting that it's, it's a situation that it's putting a pacifist into a position where in order to survive, he's going to have to kill some people. And Mm -hmm. and the way it goes down is, Actually, the person who ends up killing all of those guys is Eklund throwing the grenade that they threw at him. <laughs> right? Like, there's just that doesn't count. <laughs> well, like he does it in self defense, but there's some really it's such a quick scene, and so I don't mean to like I don't want to like go down a total rabbit hole on it, but like I think it's really interesting the point they're making about either opposite end of the extreme but you've got a pacifist that's like i don't want to use violence but when a grenade is about to blow up in your face your instinct takes over to throw it at people right like to throw it away and then you've got this like kind of black humor that it's the pacifist that actually took them all out yeah theory versus practice (laughs) right Right. so that takes us to cassie in full possession mode and she is she slips away when Cole is distracted by the other test subject that he ends up having to take out. And it is just crazy now thinking that this is Olivia marching Cassie's body, taking Sam to the place where he will then be splintered to her. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> to a past version of her, right? This is Olivia in command of Cassie. And it's just crazy when you're watching this episode and thinking about these scenes that it's Olivia in her head. Um, At the same time, though, you have the voiceover of Olivia interspersed, and it's like, huh, why did I consider that that was trying to say something? <laughs> right? I mean, I don't know if It's the- just because they kept saying he. That's yes. why. Yeah. Yes. No, you're right, Bubs. Like, I don't know if at this point they knew Olivia was the witness or not, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think maybe there were a couple – I don't know if there were, like, a couple candidates. Um, or if they – like, I don't know when. But now her voiceovers – where it, you know, it, it's the like, the forest is red, the grass is tall. Her voiceovers, it's so wonderful on rewatch because it's her mm-hmm. in Cassie's head. Like, yep. not just her remembering the visions, but right now. <laughs> yeah, because even in her quote unquote position in the Army of the Twelve Monkeys, she's always been the voice of the witness. Right. Mm-hmm. The only reason we know anything about what the witness wants is because we hear it from Olivia. Right. Yeah. Well, did we really not know that that was always planned? Um, I, I'm trying to remember, Beep. Did we ask that? We did not. And That's we will. <laughs> at some, at some point. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, these, wasn't there, wasn't there some stuff behind the scenes about whether the powers that be thought that she should be the villain? Wasn't there remember. something about it? I honestly don't remember. Um, I thought I'd I like rem- to cite drugs. <laughs> <laughs> beep, beep, are you on opioid, opioids right now? <laughs> no. Opioids, opioids. I can't say it. Um, it's like metamorphosis. It's like hard to say. Okay. Um, <laughs> you got that one. <laughs> Anonymous. <laughs> yeah, I, I nailed it in the episode that doesn't discuss it. Um, okay, so <laughs> I thought the imagery. I thought the imagery. You, you, we see what's physically going on in the hallway with Cassie marching Sam down to the to the room where the core is. In her head. She's walking hand in hand with a boy, with Sam, to the house of Cedar and Pine. So mm-hmm. she's thought- literally bringing him to the witness. <laughs> Wait, right? But but in her mind, like I think it's just interesting, like what's going on in the real world and what's going on in her head. And in her head, she's walking with him to that house, which is interesting, right? Because she's drawn to that house now, but also. I thought the image of Cassie being hand in hand with a boy walking to the house of Cedar and Pine where she will conceive her son, where she will eventually bring Ethan back to that place at the end of season three. Mm-hmm. It's it's like this funhouse mirror version of a perfect moment that she hasn't had yet. <laughs> right? Like, and, and also yeah. just goes to show like what's going on in her head isn't what's happening like in the facility. Um, but, and also, like, when they finally, when they realize that she's possessed and after she's locked herself in with Sam, like, Sam, how old is Sam? Is he, like, 10, 11? He's, like, uh, yeah-ish. Ish, right? I'm, I'm, I don't know. He looks, like, about, like, my oldest daughter's age. He's so brave and, like, you know, he's with somebody who's got a gun on him and he has the presence of mind to point to the to the river that's below and give them the hint that they need to like 
try and save him. He's just such an awesome kid. Like, I feel like, unfortunately, that's probably not the first time he's had a gun in his head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Although he was a little sheltered, right? At Project Spearhead. But yeah. He just. I mean, literally. Yeah. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah, but then his mom got shot and like the whole thing. And that's true. Right. I still was impressed. Like, he just had really. Oh, he's. Yeah, no, he's brilliant. They yeah. just make us really, really, really like him before they're going to take him away. <laughs> so I was just taking it in because I – and this time around I know that it comes into play later and it was more like just another little piece of the mystery that I wasn't too – I didn't really figure out very much of at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't want to talk about Eklund's death. <laughs> we have to talk <laughs> about it. Um, I mean, the thing is, it was still very sweet, and it—it's just like I feel like it was—it had like a positive, lasting um, impression on Jones. So, like in that way, it's like bittersweet, right? I mean, so this like he—he'll like- live through her by what the way that he changed her. Right, like the structure. So the structure of the episode right now is you've got two different, the two different pieces, like the core on one end. And Cassie, possessed by Olivia, is, like, if they can't get into it, it's going to melt down and everyone's going to die. And you've got Cole risking his life and doing crazy shit to get in there, right? To save everybody, but also, like, you know, it it's Cassie who's in there, right? And the other other end of the facility, you've got the time machine – also, I know technically not – I'm using melting down in kind of a, like, you know, layman's term. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah. shit's not going well with that machine. <laughs> and it's about <laughs> yeah. to, like, obliterate everything. And you've got Eklund, who's going to, also fueled by his love for a woman, is going to take crazy risks and sacrifice himself and save everyone. And these two different – parallel scenes are unfolding on either end of the facility and they're editing back and forth like for the rest of the episode. So I was struck by how like obviously Eklund is is selfless in what he ultimately does, but also the way that he goes about it, right? Like mm-hmm. Jones, is, Jones is telling Adler like you guys need to go back to like you need to get out of here and he just like shakes his head like no. Like, there's no way he's leaving her to deal with this um, and, like, going for his, like, seeking out his own safety. He mm-hmm. also tricks her into being distracted to let her off the hook from having to make that decision. Like, he does the trick with the walkie-talkie. Yeah. Which I didn't pick up on maybe the first time that I watched. Did, did you guys? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I didn't no. pick up. Like, no, like, he does it so that they don't have to have that hard conversation. And she doesn't – he takes that decision out of her hands because it will mm-hmm. – I mean, obviously, she's still going to feel incredibly guilty. But that is a selfless act of love so that she doesn't have to make that decision with him. Right? Like – Yeah. And then this, like – She's screaming, this will kill you. And he's like, but it might save you. And then his going out in a wild romantic gesture for a beautiful woman. Like, he's obviously scared, but he's also, like, at peace with what he's doing, right? He's like, this is how you go out. Oh, like, um, and I think it's, um, I also, the way, like, what do you guys think about the moment where she screams, I don't love you? I think it's, like, her last little ditch effort. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, She's trying to save him. Yeah, yeah by, exactly. By, say, by saying the opposite. Yes. Right? Like, trying it's to like, get him to not sacrifice himself because he's doing it for love. Like, she thinks naively that his love isn't pure enough <laughs> that it matters, like, how she feels about him and he's not just doing it for her regardless. Right. It, but it's so funny because the way it plays out is the opposite of most TV and movie, right? Like, where she's yeah. like, but I don't, like, she's saying the opposite of what is true. <laughs> But she's also screaming, I don't love you to a man who's about to sacrifice himself, right? Like, it's just, oh, it's so Jones. She goes, yeah, because she goes straight to the reverse psychology, like, how can I fix this? Not, oh, no. Like, you know, she doesn't, like, jump into the emotion of it. She's like, I'll tell him I don't love him. And then he'll be like, oh, damn it. (laughs) Never mind. (laughs) You you sacrifice yourself then, right? Yeah. Um, It's sweet. Yeah, and then... His line, you did once, and that can't be erased. <laughs> like, I'm a little choked up. <laughs> I'm just, no. Oh. And always back to that theme of the show, death can be erased, love cannot. Right? Yeah. I mean, which is, this is the first time we hear that, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, because, because they don't say it until 212. Or 213 with Lillian, right? Right, yeah. So, you know, this... You know, it's such a major theme of the show, and this is the first time we hear it, and it's just, uh, right? Like, I just don't even, it's just really fucking sad. <laughs> I just, it's really sad. Uh, um, And also, like, you know, Jones is going to sacrifice herself by touching, like, radioactive material in season four. Mm-hmm. Um. So I also thought, like, you know, eventually she's going to be in that position of self-sacrifice. It's not going to be as immediate, mm-hmm. um, but she's going to expose herself as well. Um, and the, I think it's the season premiere, right, of season four. So mm-hmm. I just – I loved Eklund. Yeah. And, like, can we just give props to, like – I think we forgot to mention it before, but, like – this show gave a huge like they they showed two people in bed and like being sexy all the way through this big epic romantic like moment and it's between two actors in their 60s. Mhm. Yeah. You never like I can't remember like not since like Rosalind and Adama and Battlestar. Do you can you, like they're in their 60s. It's like you know like I don't know. It's just not something that you see all the time. And yet, like, I'm just, it's not like I'm any less invested in it because they're in their 60s, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys have anything else? Should we just pour one out for Eklund? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Huh. So, um, that leads us to sort of the final showdown with Cassie. Um, mm-hmm. So there's two... I guess before we jump into that, really quickly, like, what's going on in the hallway um, mm-hmm. with Deacon and Ramsey having to work together to save Cole and hold off the army guys before they're splintered away is, like, oh, my God, they've come a long way. These two guys have each separately tried to kill each other mm-hmm. <laughs> in the first half of this season. And now, because of the circumstances, they're working together to, like – Right? Like, pulling the, like, mm-hmm. physically working together to pull, co- like, steady coal on the rope. And you're just like, wow, how they've come far. <laughs> right? Like, um, but I think it's also, like, a really important Deacon character moment 
when he tells Ramsey, like, he doesn't have it in him and neither do I. Like, number one, it tells us the Deacon's feelings for Cassie. Like, he, she is his, like, like they run deep, right? And it also, like, this is the fucking scav king. This is the guy who's, like, do whatever it takes, whatever to survive, and he he doesn't have it in him. Like, Cassie's his Achilles heel. He doesn't have it in him to take her out, even though it will, like, kill everyone in the facility, like, including the West Seven, destroy the time machine, everything. He doesn't have it in him. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's a really important character moment for Deacon. Yeah. I think it's just, like, it, it is kind of just fine. Bonsai, shut up. <laughs> um, it is kind of just, like, Finding the one thing that he he does care about to show that there is humanity in him. Um, so it's kind of like this, again, another bittersweet thing that it happens through Cassie, who we're already like invested uh, invested in with Cole. Um, so it's its own like setup to, I guess, disappointment on his end. But for now, like... Bonsai. You know, Bonsai is so moved by Eklund's death. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just as wrecked as we are. He it's has so right. much to say about it. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, but no, it it is like, it's interesting to have him be so invested in her and to um, knowing everything we know about him in the past, like how ruthless he is for the sake of survival. And that's always been the his core identity so seeing that there's more to him um obviously like opens up us to like care about him more right yeah like and and now like we've heard about deacon's brother and now deacon has a a one a a one that he's not willing to cross that line Mm -hmm. um and you know it's just yeah it makes you kind of reconsider like you know not only maybe i don't know this guy as well as i think i do but also that he's changing right like Mm -hmm. sort of like the transformation like the whole journey his character's going on this is kind of like a signpost early on that like there's a lot more to deacon Mm -hmm. um he still keeps that practicality though of knowing like it may come to that he just doesn't want to be the one to do it Absolutely. But you do it. (laughs) Yeah. Because I can't. (laughs) Right. Right. Totally. Like, he's not like, we're not, we're not going to not take out Cassie no matter what, but he just knows that he is not capable of doing it. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that takes us to, this is Cole facing off, right? He's in the room with Cassie, but this is Cole talking to season four Olivia. That's how we have to look at it now, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, and the first thing she says to him is, the forest is red, the grass is tall. And that fucking Olivia knows exactly what that means, right? Like, you're just like, man, are you just fucking with him? You know, like, she knows what that moment is all about, right? Like, that's what she's driving them towards. And now she's saying, cold is it going to connect it, obviously, the way Cassie does. But, like, you're just like, oh, man, you're just sitting there in Titan fucking with him right now. <laughs> um, but then she says those, like, really important words that are just going to grow in importance. But is... Uh, you know, he asks her, what have you witnessed? Um, she says the end and the beginning. 
And obviously that's like such an important mantra, like for the whole show and the Ouroboros and just thinking about like this whole, like everything, but also picture like when she was, when Cassie was saying that, like Olivia was saying that through Cassie, I was picturing Olivia sitting in Titan, the season four Olivia and everything that she knows, right? Like she knows almost the entire circle when she's saying that. Um, it's just so fun. Like I felt like the first time we watched it, it was kind of like exorcist, you know, like and mm-hmm. Amanda Schultz doing the like amazing like head tilts, right? And like it's so, <laughs> right? It like looks kind of like something from like the exorcist, but yeah. Um, and then like the way – the way that it's set up is you've got Ramsey then in the room and you've got Cassie has a Cole's one is sitting there with a gun on Ramsey's one, right? Like the two people that are, have been at the center of a lot of conflict between Ramsey and Cole. But I think it's really interesting that Ramsey chooses to trust Cole in this moment, even though like his son's life is on the line, like shows how far they've come in that conflict. But it's also just like one of so many times that the show is kind of putting your one and my one and like their lives are possibly like on the line, like at cross purposes, right? Like, um, cause if you, if Cole didn't care about Cassie, then they would have sh- already shot her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to save Sam, right? Yeah. Um. So let's go into Cassie, the the Cassie who's trapped, like her consciousness is trapped inside the house of Cedar and Pine. Um. And you know we've talked we when she when we first encountered these red forest visions back in season one, beep when Aaron was on, we were talking about like all of the different all of the different manifestations of the house of Cedar and Pine for Cassie. Mm-hmm. How it's this vision, this mystery. Later on, it's a physical place where she finds like happiness and love. At the end of the show, it's symbolic of the perfect moment that she almost chooses or does choose to live forever in. But in <laughs> just because Bubs is on, I'm going to throw you a bone. Um, yes, <laughs> but, bones. <laughs> but <laughs> but in this moment, the it's like she's kidnapped. And trapped inside of a locked house inside of her own mind, right? Like, so you've got, you've got the house in cedar and pine. And in this moment, it is a prison. Mm-hmm. And like thinking about like, I just want to like keep that in mind when we finally get to like 212 and she's actually physically there, right? Because mm-hmm. I feel like I did, like, it just really hit me like her terror. It's like fucking awful what is happening to her. Like she's terrified. She's banging on the doors and she's banging on the windows trying to get out and she can't get out. And she's obviously generally aware of what's going on on the outside. And it's just this like nightmare of feeling entrapped but your body is also being controlled by somebody else. And the whole thing is just like a fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's interesting that like all of that leads her to the window to see Titan. She's in a prison right now in her own mind. But she looks out at that window at Titan. And Titan is the prison, like the physical prison that she's going to end up in at the end of the season. Right. Yes. Um, but also like, holy shit, it's Titan. (laughs) Like, oh my God. Do do you guys remember the first time you watched this? Were you guys like, what the fuck? When you watched this moment? Yes. Um, I'm trying to remember what I thought. 
<laughs> that was not graceful. Um, I am like trying to remember what I thought, but um, I guess I just assumed that it was like a futuristic city somewhere. I like did not put it together what it actually was. So like my ideas of it were much more simplistic. Um, and so I was like, is this like a future we're fighting against? Like, <laughs> um, so I liked that the, it's like a teaser, but the mystery remains. Like we don't have all the puzzle pieces yet to understand what's going on. Um, and I thought that was cool. Yeah. Beep. What did you think the first time you saw it? I cannot remotely remember. It's been so long. <laughs> I remember, like, I remember my husband and I pausing it and being like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Shit is getting crazy. And that, that's a lot given the fact that this is an episode where Cassie's, like, fucking possessed, right? Like, but it was just such, yeah. uh, and now, like, on rewatch, you, you know, like, oh my God, right? It's, like, so iconic for the mm. show and, like, how much, goes down there right like everything yeah right i like, mean i could almost watch a show based on titan <laughs> and all the <laughs> shit that like putting it together like we get a peek of that um but actually like life on titan um crazy shit that happens as they cruise through time um i mean there has to be so many stories there even just outside of like the the main story that we're exploring here um because it is interesting. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like, who chose the, like, early, you know, like, who chose that they were going to go with kind of, like, medieval wear? Mm-hmm. Who chose, like, you know, wh- how did they get all the food? There's, like, so many yeah. questions. Why aren't they just, like, wearing Nike joggers? Because, like, they can pick whatever they wear. Like, why not go comfy? <laughs> It's a cult. Like, I would be wearing, like, a, a, like a Una sweatshirt. <laughs> But if Bubs ever founds a cult, she's going to be like, look, rule number one is that we're comfortable. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm going like full on Heaven's Gate. <laughs> right? Track suits, baby. And <laughs> oh, my gosh. But yeah, I mean, we have all these. Cl- we had all like, as we mentioned, we've had all the clues about Elliot Jones. And then it's the first time we're like face to face with like his creation. And yeah, obviously, we have no idea that it's a time machine. But It's also, right, like, you have the witness turn and look at her. And at the end of season two, you're thinking, holy shit, that's because it was her son, right? (laughs) And then it's like, just kidding. (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) Olivia is purposefully leading her there because she needs all of these things to happen in the order that they do mm-hmm. so that she can become the witness. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, all of this made it seem like this whole thing, like as we were talking before, like that the, the core is melting down and the whole facility is going to be taken out. And you think that the wit, you think it's what Cole's saying, right? Like we hit, we, we got to the witness and now he is hitting back even harder. And I totally accepted that that's what was going on and that they like are able to like save the machine at the last minute. And none, all of that was just a distraction to get them to take the bait to draw them to Titan. Yeah. And it's just like, man, epic. Demand- like, <laughs> how they ever beat Olivia is like, I don't even know how they pull it off because love 
Love right. always finds a way. <laughs> right. And like, so, okay, so speaking of, that's how Cassie gets out of the house. And, yeah. and I think I've got like shipper feels, and then I've also got disturbing red forest feels. So let's take like, this is a great moment, right? Like, it, it makes sense to me character wise. I feel like Cole is really good, like, with knowing how to motivate people and like connecting with people on like a human level. So like it makes mm-hmm. sense to me that Cole's superpower is like in this moment is knowing how to get through to her. And yeah. I don't even I don't even think it's like obviously it's their connection, but I also think Cole like how he connects with Gail, how he connects with Jennifer, like this is also this is just like one of his ta- like yes. He's good at this. This is like part of who Cole is, right? Yeah. And and I mean that's one of the reasons why he survived so long in his world apart from being designated by time. Um <laughs> is that like he he's able to read people. I think that that's like an invaluable thing when you're a scav <laughs> trying yeah. to survive. Right. Um when he says he he's taking that like the question that was asked at the beginning of the episode we don't really know each other anymore and here he's answering it and he's saying and he's taking like it's a he has a piece of information that Cassie said to him that the wit I saw your face right like he mm-hmm. knows maybe more than he did at the beginning of the episode that he's still important to her mm-hmm. it's a big fucking gamble and he's yeah. doing it to save her because otherwise Ramsey's going to have to take her out And so he's putting his life on the line to try and save everyone in the room. But the easiest answer is just to shoot Cassie, right? Mm -hmm. So when he says, I know you and you would never let me die, like, it's such an important moment Mm -hmm. for for the development of their romantic relationship, for their bond, for the audience Mm -hmm. to know no matter what is going on. Because a lot of, I mean, we've had a lot of, like, angst and arguing, but we haven't even gotten to, like, this serious betrayals that Mm -hmm. are, like, coming around the corner, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever happens, it's like, Bubs, we, like, love this trope, right? (laughs) What tells you about the way someone feels is when their life is on the line, what do they choose? And in this moment... Cole is putting his life on the line to save Cassie. And Cassie, like, watching her face when she's inside the house, hearing his words, you you see on her face that she knows that that's true. And that's what gives her the strength to, like, fight. And that's what opens the door, right? Like, we see, like... It opens the door to her consciousness to let her get out, right? And we show, mm-hmm. we, they show us like the physical representation of that of a, of a door opening and that she's able to see into the real world and see Cole on the floor. Yeah. Um, it's just such a great, like, right? There's how many gift sets have I seen of this moment? It's important, <laughs> right? It's part of telling this story. And if you're going to take us on a journey where they're in conflict and earn it, then you need these kinds of moments like along the way. Yeah. And I like that um, it's like she's a woman and she's like potentially about to harm a child. And it's not the child that breaks her out of it because like women are complex and all they're, they're all different. It is her connection to Cole because I feel like they could have easily made it about like oh, this woman protecting a child because that's what women do. <laughs> Oh, right. I mean, it's like turning all that on its head. But ultimately, what I love about it 
Mm-hmm. Because this is not only because it's Cassie and agency is so important to Cassie, but because her agency has been sh- like stolen by the witness. Mm-hmm. Cole gives her the motivation, but it is Cassie who fights her way out of there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like nobody else saves her. This isn't like Jones coming. Jones doesn't come up with an injection to save her. Right. Mm-hmm. Like ultimately it was Cassie's like her her like. Basically, just like her sheer will, mm-hmm. once given the emotional motivation, but mm-hmm. it's her sheer will that forces the witness out of her head and gets her out of that situation. Like, it's, oh, yeah. it, it ultimately, she saves herself, not anybody else, if that makes sense, right? Like, I yes. mean, a lot, a Cole, Cole creates the opportunity, but ultimately, she's the one that gets herself out of there. Now, you know, the part that it, I find a little disconcerting on rewatch. What? The line, I know you and you would never let me die. And that that is like a fundamental part of Cassie, that that's something that she would never do. Uh-huh. And then you think about the end of the show and her having to make a choice that would erase him. <laughs> Makes me a little uncomfortable. Oh. <laughs> Who wrote this up? Wait, we already said it. It's not the Red Forest. Um... Mayor did not write this episode. It's not Sean Tretta, your personal hero. (laughs) (laughs) So there's hope yet. (laughs) But no, I I think that's a great observation because she does say that. Um, Yeah, man, it is an episode where Cassie is possessed by the witness. and, And the whole question is, is she the true witness? And the one fundamental truth that gets her out of there is that she would never let Cole die. Yeah. So I just like you need to jot that down, bubs, <laughs> for when we have our final debate <laughs> and you and Amy like go to the mat. <laughs> I'm giving you that one. <laughs> Thank you, counsel. <laughs> All right. Did you guys have anything else about that? Um, no, ma'am. No, I think we're good. Okay. So. We get to the moment, you really see sort of like it was such a shock the first time, but you see the way that they lull you into thinking that everything's okay. And then you see Sam splintered away. Uh, It just, it was such a visceral feeling because it's like one of those things you could see Ramsey just like, like, it's... And it's like, you know, like, through his head, he's like, no, 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 no. Like, and then I just, like, felt like he could have, like, maybe if he'd just been standing over here, like, it's just like you start, like, bargaining in your head, like, why? No. (laughs) Right. It's just not fair. (laughs) It's such – what I actually think is, like, beautiful about it, but is also why it's so devastating. It it is a universal moment of, like – horror for everyone like they show deacon's Mm -hmm. face right and deacon's like oh right like everyone will go like we can go into like the scene with ramsey and jones and what i think is interesting is that ramsey and jones have have the whole series for the most part starting mid-season one been at odds because Mm -hmm. two different results like you have two possibilities of results, either resetting the timeline or not. Either way, one of them loses their child, right? Mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. was something that always was driving a wedge between them and putting them on opposing sides. In this moment, there's nobody there 
that knows what Ramsey's feeling more than Jones mm-hmm. losing a child. A- yes. And like, honestly, the way that it goes down, you know, obviously, like, I have three children and thinking about losing a child this episode and the next episode, like, it's rough watching. But like, the idea that you don't even know what happened to them, and I either they're dead. Or you don't know where they are and you're not there to protect them. It's mm-hmm. it's it's like a if you could possibly make losing a child worse. More horrifying. You, I mean, just imagine like this small child somewhere. I mean, and they show it. They show him. Daddy? Like, daddy? Oh, God. Right? I mean, it's just. He's just pr- by himself until he's not. But that's like your nightmare, right? Is imagining they're just like you're not there for them and they need you. Not to mention all those dudes that just came through that machine and what they looked like. <gasps> right. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I, I think it's such – the acting is so – it's it's really quiet. But the acting I found between Kirk Acevedo and Barbara Sacao, I just found it really powerful. And, and it, there's all these little details, right? Like you've got mm-hmm. Ramsey holding his son's toy soldier and the astronaut – and you have Jones clutching her locket that she keeps the picture of Hannah in, like the Hannah locket. And so both of them are holding the only physical symbols they have left of their two children that are gone. And, you know, it's, it's a, there, it's, I don't know if it's like quite a connection, but there's like nobody that can talk to him in that moment that knows more what he's gone through. And it's also setting us up for, the opening scene of the next episode is we're then going to be in that moment with Jones when she lost her child, right? Like, mm-hmm. so like as much as this scene is about Ramsey and his grief, it's also setting up for the the journey we're going to go on with Jones in the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and the moment when Jones, after Ramsey leaves and Jones looks down at Sam's model of her cre it's Sam's create it's Sam's creation of her creation, which is what resulted in his disappearance, death, they don't know. Mm-hmm. And she is seething, right? Like I, that she is it's like this moment is when it all comes to a head, like everything, the messengers and like time being undone and Eklund dying and now Sam like another child's life, Sam. It's like she's staring at that model of her machine and you can like that's the moment where she's like, I'm going to fucking end this and yeah. redo it, right? Yeah. Uh, um, and then like we got – we should jump um, – do we want to – I guess we the last thing we have before we see Sam is um, the, the scene with Cassie and Jones, which – is obviously we don't know what it's setting up for lullaby. Um, <laughs> but you have Cassie by Cole's side. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like when you think about the Cassie that was at the beginning of season two and you see this Cassie, like mm-hmm. she's like she had something horrible happen to her, like this invasion of her body, which is like this trauma that's happened to her. But on top of that, she has she did things while somebody else was controlling her mm-hmm. that resulted in Cole being, like what she says, like Cole being shot, Eklund's death, Sam, and like the guilt is like crushing. So like how awful is it to have this horrible thing happen to you, but that horrible thing also result in other 
really horrible things happening to other people, right? Mm, like, yeah. it's just a spiral of guilt that you can't even deal with, like, the like the trauma that's happened to you because it the trauma that happened to you caused so much trauma to everyone else. Like, it's just awful. And you have her basically turning that guilt inward, and then you have Jones say, like, with, in, with respect to fault, like, no, it was mine. Yes. I... Yeah. I guess what I loved most about that scene was how maternal Jones came off, which was like the perfect lead in to the next episode. And I didn't I I like forgot that that was the next episode. Um and so when I was watching it I was just like, you know, I never saw her as like a mom until like the way that she is with Cassie right now. Um Bonsai, come on. <laughs> Um, I don't know. It was just like, it was so strikingly different than the way that I'd seen her with anybody else. Um, and I felt like it was foreshadowing, um, the next episode once I saw what the next episode was. Um, so I thought that was interesting and very like smoothly done on the part of the, the showrunners and writers. Yeah. I mean, it's like, she's so, Jones is like, so like... There's this, you know, she's obviously got this kind of like steely resolve. Mm-hmm. We, d- we don't know that it is that she's going to have Cassie kill her. Yeah. Right. But um, it's also, I think, a really important moment. I-, I at least felt with Jones, like connecting with her to see that vulnerability and that regret and and that like taking of responsibility, right? Because like people have been mm-hmm. yelling that at her, um, and we've seen glimpses of of like her having some regret for things in the past. But like this is like a huge like leap from the Jones that we knew in season one, who was like yeah. whatever it takes, and she has finally hit her wall. And she's like, enough, right? Like she's been reminded of everything she did by all of those like tortured people that showed up in front of her all the way through losing Mm -hmm. somebody that she had a connection with. And I think on some level, it might not have been like quite the same because it hadn't been as much time for her, but I think Mm -hmm. she really cared about Eklund. And like, uh, and it's like now resulted in like the death of a child of someone she knows. Like, I I think it's just, this is Jones like bottoming out. Yeah. And and all the, all the repercussions had never been, I don't think as, in her face before, you know, it was a lot easier with her like crisp lab coat when everything was happening decades earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even when, with working with these people, she would send them off. She didn't necessarily always see the effects of it. Yeah. Uh, so like it, it to have all of that <laughs> um, show up in such a right, short yeah, amount very of time, tangibly, I think it caused more problems as well. Yeah, exactly. So I, it it very smoothly transitions into her decision in the next episode, right? I mean, the the added layer now when you rewatch it is, and this will take us into like for a lullaby, but like this is all Jones's fault, <laughs> right? It it all is, um, yeah. 
And, you know, it's not only that, like, she can't kill herself, but we need Hannah to live so that we can erase Cole so that we can fully undo everything that she's done. <laughs> like, so, I mean, right? So you're sitting there, but I, I, I found, like, that moment and obviously the next episode are when I really, like, emotionally connected with Jones. And I think a little bit of is, is like, I think it's important when you have a character that kind of is, like, willing to do what it takes the way Jones has always been, that mm-hmm. we see that side of her sometimes really feeling the consequences of what she's done. Yes. And yeah. I feel like this Jones from here on out is someone who constantly has that in mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to see her strength of character. It can't just be a two-dimensional directive. Um, so we just have the the ending of Sam ending up with I love how the time that the the year ticker just goes crazy and we don't we're like, <laughs> wait, wait, is that gonna stop? Is it gonna stop? Fuck, it doesn't stop. We're busy. <laughs> um and you're just left with like that's it's just like an amazing mystery ending. And we're not gonna get a fucking answer until the end of this season. And yeah. we're not and we're not gonna see so we will find out that he was with Olivia at the very end of this season. We're not going to ever see little boy Sam again. He will be adult Sam dying at the beginning of season three. God, all this kid does is die. Like in every, <laughs> in every timeline and every like erasure and every oh. rewrite, like bye Sam. Right? Oh man. Uh, and I mean, the other thing that's crazy is you see that hand extended and now we know that hand is Olivia's and you're like, holy shit. Everything she just did in Cassie's head just sent Sam to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, ah, like in that moment, now that you know that it's her. Yep. Oh, all right. Did you guys have anything else about this episode? Uh, the only thing I would say to that is watching this originally in conjunction, you know, with Lullaby Next, it's the same scenery at the end when uh, Cole and Cassie deliver Hannah to Jennifer, and it actually made me think that he might be with Jennifer when looking at it in reverse before, obviously, I got more information. Yeah, Mm. I can see that. Did either of you ever think that Sam was the witness? Yes. I thought everybody was the witness. That is true. (laughs) Never mind. Yeah, Yeah, I think I ran through like half of the cast as the witness, but this one. That would have been very interesting considering everything, you know, Ramsey tried to do the whole way through, but maybe he's just like was not integral enough in that way. Well, can you imagine him trying to like kill um, Cassie and Cole's baby and it turns out it's his baby that's like the witness? (laughs) And he's like, oh shit. Like, uh. Well, yeah, now can't kill him. <laughs> I, I I guess I thought I I ended this like my husband. And I ended this episode. We're like, holy shit, is it Sam? Because mm-hmm. the beginning of the episode established how much he knew about the facility and the time machine, right? And so. You know, this is like, even as a boy, this is somebody who has like intimate knowledge of all of it. And then setting up this mystery at the end, I I, I wonder for a hot minute if it was Sam. Um, because it was like, what if this thing that happened to him is what made him the witness? But obviously not. <laughs> um, instead, he's going to come back and then make me like, cr- like ugly sob 
<laughs> when he comes back and like, ugly, it just, like, ugly doesn't stuff. take much. I feel like <laughs> I have different levels of crying for this show. Oh, okay. Ramsey having to kill his son was like ugly sobbing because it's like one of the hardest things I've ever watched. Ugh. Um, and here's the happy thing: Ramsey and Jones in that scene where they're both connecting through that grief that only one parent that's lost a child could connect with another parent that's lost a child, the series will end with both of them getting those children back. So that's the only thing that makes me feel better. (laughs) When I'm watching them and Ramsey's like holding the astronaut and Jones is clutching the locket, I'm like, oh God, someday you'll get them both back. (laughs) All right. So I think that's it for this episode, Bubs. Thank you so much. Um... So fun, like digging into the horror that you think is so gross and awesome. Um, and also flailing, flailing a little bit as shippers as Beep put up with us. Um, I mean, this episode really had everything. (laughs) Right. If you were, (laughs) if we were like a Stefan skit for Saturday Live, it's like, it's got everything for shippers. It's got awkwardness. It's got angst. It's got like entrails. (laughs) It's got awkward pickup lines. It's got jealousy that is also awkward and you're going to think about in the middle of the night (laughs) for the rest of your life. (laughs) All right. So the next episode up is Lullaby. Um, Holy shit. I'm going to be honest. I'm like super nervous about doing a podcast for this fucking masterpiece, but we're going to work hard to prepare for it. Um, Jen is coming on. It will probably be a 10-hour podcast. Um, <laughs> there's so you, you guys- But we'll cut it down because nine hours is crying. So. I just want to say, you guys really have to talk about how I, there's a lot of Groundhog's Day scenario type things that like I've seen and a lot of them are just tedious. Like uh, Monday from the X-Files, I love the X-Files, but that episode, like by the third day, I was just like, okay. Most <laughs> um, Groundhog Day episodes are very frustrating to me. It's- it's feels like yeah like a cheap way to just reuse footage into yeah. in so many cases I'm like, I, okay we don't need to see this it, whole thing again exactly Wait. but they do it so well in lullaby like it really is like the breath of fresh air of a groundhog's day episode yep yeah, I, I mean, I love, like, I, I, it's, I'm laughing because we just finished an entire show that's a Groundhog's Day episode, which is Russian <laughs> Doll. Um, so I, I love them because I love playing with what are all the different variables that could happen during a day, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, although none of us should think about it that hard because it would make us all crazy and, and indecisive. Oh, but yeah. um, I just often feel they literally use too much footage. Like, they show yeah. you the same thing again when you're like, okay, no, I get it. That already happened. Yeah. Can we, like, do something else now? Yeah. It is. It's on so many levels a masterpiece. And now I feel like we ha- – it's one of those episodes, like, like when we did Paradox in season one, mm-hmm. where there's just so much to reconsider, like, after one minute more. Yeah. So, anyway. So, you also, guys – Also, Russian Doll was amazing. Yes, it was it so was good. good. It was really good. Um, yeah, listeners, if you haven't watched Russian Doll and you love Groundhog Day and, like, really great characters, um, you should watch Russian Doll on Netflix. It's really short. It's, like, eight episodes and yeah. only, like, 30 minutes an episode. And I love the ending. I thought it was oh, like a it's very, so good. Yeah. It's so good. It has a lot of th- yes, like thematically, it's yes, it's I don't stuck give the landing. Away. 
Yes, it stuck the landing. Yes. <laughs> um, so yeah. So but but before you watch Russian Doll, you need to watch Lullaby because we need your help um, reconsidering it, and we want to include your thoughts. So. Go back to the beginning of the pod. Listen to how you can do that. Um, and if you guys don't have anything else, then we'll see you soon.